Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Ephesians chapter 4, that those particular gifts, the apostles, prophets, and teachers, along with pastors and evangelists, were given to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. Not uniformity, but unity of the faith. God has uniquely created each of us with spiritual gifts to serve God and others. Through this diversity, a masterpiece is created that only God could design. Pastor David wants you to use the gifts that God has given you to the best of your ability and pray that God would even enable you to use your other gifts as needed. We are all called to unity in faith, not to uniformity in our actions or looks. To have unity, we need the secret ingredient, love. Not just any love, but the love of God working in and through us. Now here's Pastor David with part three of today's message entitled, Body Works. saying no, much rather those members of the body which seem to be less endowed with power or status are still necessary. And those members of the body which we think to be less presentable, on these we bestow greater honor. And our unpresentable private parts are indispensable. They're worthy of special honor and they're treated with special modesty. But our presentable parts have no need. So does that make sense to you, what he's saying there? Let me go on with what he says about this verse. He says these verses can be obscure unless we realize that Paul is referring to the bodily parts that have to do with procreation. In other words, male and female reproductive organs, as well as nurturing. He says that these parts, though they're treated with modesty and they're covered, or in reality, they're indispensable. While the more dispensable parts of the body, such as the limbs and the hands, we often display openly, okay? Our reproductive organs, I mean, they're, they're necessary for the entire race, for procreation, for the continuation of, of humanity. And we treat them, again, with great modesty and great covering. The other things that we think are so important, you know, our arms, our feet, hey, they're out there, bare arms, bare hands, no problem. We've got that covered. So that's what Paul is saying. Something that seems to be less necessary really are more necessary. They're treated with great modesty. And the other things, again, we we, they're right out there for the world to see. That major declaration that Paul is making here in all of this, he's saying that each part 
is important to the whole and none are less important. None are less important. And there should be no division within the body of Christ. All of the members should care and feel the responsibility for one another. Here in verse 26, he says, and if one member suffers, all the members suffer with it. And if one member is honored, guess what? All the members rejoice with it. I think we've got a ways to go in that. As I've shared with you before, you know, the, when the word says that we're to weep with those who weep, we rejoice with those who rejoice. I, I've shared with you my own personal struggle. It's easy for me to weep with somebody that's weeping. Man, I, I feel so bad for you. Man, my, my heart breaks for you. I, I, I weep with you. But you know what? If you come in and you're rejoicing, well, sometimes I can rejoice with you, but there's other times my flesh is saying, golly, how come it's going so good for him and it's not going that good for me? So, you know, again, I got to get out of myself. I'm just being honest, okay? I just got to get out of myself and rejoice when you're honored, even when I'm not. I've got to rejoice in your victory, even though I may be struggling over here. So we suffer with one another, when battles are going, man, we come along, we try to walk the journey with each other, we try to be an encouragement for each other. We understand what's going on, at least to that point that we're willing to listen, we're willing to be there. Why? Because we're all part of the same body. And as I shared earlier, I slam my finger with the hammer, I'm gonna hurt, my whole body's gonna hurt, okay? Again, Paul's no doubt that there's going to be diversity within the body of Christ. He's made that adamantly clear within this passage over and over and over again. Warren Wearsby states, he said, diversity leads to disunity when the members compete with each other. But diversity leads to unity when the members care for each other. When we come in and we have a caring spirit for each other, Regardless of what the giftings are, the callings, or the personality of each other, we care for each other. Why? Because we're brothers and sisters in Christ. The same blood of Christ that bought me and covered my sin, bought you and covered your sin. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. And when I come through that door, and when I truly have that care for one another, guess what? It's not going to bring division. It's going to bring unity. It's going to bring encouragement. It's going to be strengthening even to the weakest part of the body. Why? Because we care for each other enough to go out of our comfort zones to encourage, to lift up, and to walk that journey with each other. Our call is not to do away with diversity, gang. Please understand that. Our call is not to do away with diversity, but our call is to work within the reality of diversity to accomplish God's purposes and his glory. Work within the reality of our diversity to accomplish God's purposes and his glory. We're different folks. We've got different backgrounds. We've got different lifestyles. We have differing 
incomes. We have differing educations. We have differing music styles. We have differing uh, clothing styles. We have, you know, we are all so different. Some of our, our families are single individuals. Some of our families are blended. Some of our families are multiple children. Some of them are no children at all. The, the, the diversity within us. We come from a background of no church, no understanding of biblical depth at all, and then we come to Christ and we've been growing here, or we've come from, man, uh, for generations our family has been involved in, in church and in ministry uh, and growing in the things of the Lord, to we've come from backgrounds of one denomination to another denomination to non-denominational to charismatic to reformed. We come from a tremendous amount of backgrounds, and God has for some reason drawn us all here in this place. Why? For his glory and for his purposes. We recognize the diversity. We work within the diversity because our love and our care for each other, because Christ loved us, that way I can love you. And so we work within that for the glory of God and for his purposes. Look what he says in verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and members individually. You see, he's not saying we've got to lose our individuality. That'd be boring. I've seen churches like that. Everybody looks exactly the same. They all dress the same and every, everything looks the same. No, there, there's individuality here. Verse 28, and God has appointed these in the church. First apostles, second prophets, third teachers. After that, miracles, and then gifts of healings and helps and administrations and a variety of tongues. Do you see the diversity within that list? I mean, it's huge. Differing gifts to differing individuals. Paul's making certainly making certain that we realize, again, we don't strive for uniformity. We strive for unity within the diversity. And then he asks a series of questions with that understandable response of no. The construction of the Greek sentence here in this whole section demands a no answer to each one of these questions because no individual believer possesses all the spiritual gifts. He says, are all apostles? And the church responds, are all prophets? Are all teachers? We read, in, we read in Ephesians chapter 4 that those particular gifts, the apostles, prophets, and teachers, along with pastors and evangelists, were given to the church for the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come to the unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. Unity of the faith. Not uniformity but unity of the faith, and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, that means maturity, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. Those five, those are foundational gifts. These gifts are needed within the body to equip and to train the body for the kingdom's work, for the work of ministry. They're the gifts that assist the body in in growth and in maturity, as he says there, for that unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So definitely, not everyone has those gifts. No, those gifts were given to equip the body. They're usable gifts. They're necessary gifts. 
but we don't all have these gifts. He then goes on with others, again, showing that we don't have all these gifts. He asks, are all workers of miracles? And the church responds, no. do all have gifts of healing? No. Do all speak in tongues? Well, in some churches, they think you have to. I don't get that. I, that, that is so foreign to what the word you know, truly says here. I mean, I love their heart. I don't want to, you know, put down a brother in Christ, but I think that they have a very strong misunderstanding of the Word of God when Paul is so adamantly clear here. He says, do all have tongues? No. Do all interpret? No. But then in verse 31, he tells each of us, he says, but earnestly desire the best gifts. And yet, I'll show you a more excellent way. Paul makes it very clear here, and in chapter 14, that it's okay to pray for the gifts. It's okay to pray for additional gifts. If you know that you've got the gift of teaching or the gift of mercies or hospitality, Romans chapter 12, uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, Ephesians chapter 4 are, are again, as we said at the outset of this whole study, that's, those are partial lists. None of those match exactly. They're all written by Paul. I believe that there's probably more gifts than what are enumerated within the Scriptures. It's what God is working in your heart and life. And it's okay, Lord, give me what you desire for me to have for your glory, for your purposes, for the edification, for the benefit of the body that I'm with. I believe that God equips. I believe that he gives the gifts. Again, he gives them as he determines and as the need arises. And we could and we should pray for the gifts of the Holy Spirit within our lives. But we do that not for a show, nor for, for a proof of our spirituality. Oh, let me share you. Man, I got this gift. That, that shows how spiritual I am. And you see, some of those gifts can be faked pretty well. And on the outside, somebody looks like they've really got it. That's what we've got to be careful of. Even if you have a variety of gift, including some of the more dynamic ones that are listed, guess what? You could still be missing something very important. I want to end this session actually by moving on into the next chapter, chapter 14. Because the thought of, at the end of chapter 12 actually moves into the beginning of chapter 13. Look at the first few verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Now, as we back into it, he says, earnestly desire the best gifts, and yet I show you a more excellent way. Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I don't have love, and that love is that love that we learn about quite a bit through Scripture, agape love. We'll talk about that in a moment. He says, though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and I don't have that agape-type love, guess what? I, I've become like a sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. I was going to get uh, Alan to turn on the electric uh, drum set, and I was going to go over there and just bang on the cymbal for a while and see how pleasant that is. But you can imagine how pleasant that would be. Just have a symbol banging and banging and banging and banging. That's what we're like. No matter what kind of gifts we have, if we don't have love, we can be kind of irritating to people. Totally out of place. A symbol is beautiful when the music calls for it. But it's so irritating 
when it's not called for. And suddenly it's just clanging away. Verse 2, what does he say? Though I have the gift of prophecy. That's what Paul says, man, pray for the gift, but pray that you might have prophecy. Paul holds that in high esteem. He says, pray for the gift of prophecy. He says, even if I have the gift of prophecy and I understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith so that I could remove mountains, but I don't have love, well, I'm short a little bit. Is that what he says? No. He says, zero zilch, nada, nothing. Now, wait a minute. I've got the gift of prophecy. That's, that's, that's a powerful gift. Man, I proclaim the great news of God. God can use me in, in sharing his word in, in a multitude of ways. I, I, I can understand, man, he's given me words of wisdom and words of knowledge. That's where he gets, I can understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Man, I've got that going for me. And oh, listen, I've got faith. I can believe what God's doing. As a matter of fact, I've got so much faith, I, I, I can move that mountain over there. But I really don't have time for you people. Because me and God's got something going. And I don't have time. I don't have time to deal with people issues. Why, I'm a man of faith. I'm a great man of prophecy. I've got all this. That's what Paul is saying. If you don't have love, I don't care what gift you've got. I don't care what ministry that you're moving and, and walking in. If you don't have love for those that are around you, and for every scale of those that are around you, every, every scale that we put within our society, if you don't have love, guess what? You are zilch, nada, nothing. God put me to that test just this week. Some of you might have seen one of the uh, guys that have been traveling around our, our city over the last few months. He's, a, he's an older guy. I, turns out he's exactly my age, so he's not really that old. But uh, he's long gray hair and gray beard and just a real tattery shirt and pants and carrying around this just, that's not even a satchel. It's just all of his stuff wrapped up, and he's just walking up and down the streets. I see him all over the city. Well, the other day I pulled in. I had a very busy day of different things that were going on here at the church, I pulled in, and as I pulled in, I saw him walking on the sidewalk there. I wish I could say, you know, hey, I, I prayed for the guy when I pulled in. I didn't. I just looked at him, and I just kept driving around. I came in. I was talking to Pastor Robert in the back over here. All of a sudden, I heard a knock on the back door, and I thought it was one of our other members. I thought it was Ken Bowen coming in, and I thought, well, let me go open the door for Ken. And here was this old guy. And, okay, well, Lord, you brought him to us. What can we do? How can we minister to him. And he explained to me his, his shoes were, were pretty well gone. The, the soles of the shoes were completely separated. And, so, and he was saying that he's having a hard time finding shoes. And so, man, the Lord just put it on my heart right then. Just, just take the guy over and get him some shoes over at Salvation Army. You're going to drop all of about maybe five or ten bucks to help the guy along. Just go ahead and take your time out and do that. And so... I said, okay, Lord, I'll, I'll do that. So I just told him, hey, why don't you throw your stuff in my car? We'll go to Salvation Army. Of course, that's on the other side of town, okay? So we drive all the way to Salvation Army, and guess what? They didn't have any shoes his size. <laughs> so then I thought, okay, well, I've gone this far, Lord, where else? And he started talking about the mass unit over here. And so I thought, well, let's, let's drive 
back over there. So we come back to this side of town. And guess what? They didn't have any shoes his size. And so I thought, well, what do we do now? And then the lady at the machine says, well, did you try Goodwill? I said, while I was on the other side of town looking at Salvation Army? No, I didn't, but I probably should have while I was there. So we drove to the other side of town again, and guess what Goodwill had? Nothing, nothing at all. The poor guy was like, uh, you know, we're, so finally I just said, you know what? Let's just go get you some shoes. And so we went over to Big Five, got him some shoes, and I thought, Lord, thank you for letting me just get out of my sterile confines sometime to be able to just minister to the guy. Again, a, a tough situation. He's, he's not all there, you know, mentally, emotionally. But you know what? He's a creation of God. We talked about the fact that, you know, what God is doing in his life. And he made a few comments that helped me to kind of understand that maybe a little bit, but not much has he really thought about that. But I, I just thought of that, you know, as I'm l- looking and thinking about this whole idea of love. And how I sometimes, I can put my love in categories and how easy that is. Unfortunately, way too easy in the flesh. But I know that that's not what God has called us to do. It's not what he's called me to do. He's called us to love unconditionally. That's what agape is. That's unconditional. Not loving you because you can love me back and not not giving to you because I know you can give me back. But just again, that kind of a love. Even if I have the gift of prophecy, I understand all mysteries and all knowledge. Though I have faith, though I could remove mountains, if I don't have love, I'm zero zilch nada. And though I bestow, catch this. This is the other one that kind of hit me with all of this. Though I bestow all of my goods to feed the poor, and though I even give my body to be burned, I'm willing to be a martyr for Jesus Christ. If I don't have love, it profits me nothing. Nothing. Well, I give to this organization, I give to that organization, I give to that organization. It just really gives me a good feeling, and I don't have to deal with those people. Do you realize how many people have that kind of a mindset? It's a lot easier to write a check than to get down and help somebody up. Many times, please hear me out, many times it's easier for us to die for Christ than to live for him. Because if I'm truly living for him, that's a daily sacrifice, moment by moment by moment. That's what he's called us to, though. He says, you can have everything going for you. You can, man, you can, you can speak in tongues, you know, of men and of angels, but you know what? Without love, you're just a lot of noise. You can have the gifts of all kinds of gifts of prophecy, of wisdom, knowledge, of faith. If you don't have love, in God's kingdom, he's looking at you saying, man, that accounts for absolutely nothing. And even if I'm willing to give my goods to the poor, and be a martyr for Christ, and yet my love for my fellow human isn't there, then I'm nothing. Gang, we cannot honestly before God say, God, I love you, and not have love for one another. Because that cancels out the truth. Our horizontal relationships can cancel out that vertical relationship. 
because it just shows that's not true. Because if this is true, that will be true. If our vertical is true, the horizontal will be true. We're so glad you joined us today on The Open Word for Pastor David Landry's verse-by-verse, chapter-by-chapter teaching through the book of 1 Corinthians. You can find more messages from Pastor David and information about The Open Word by visiting our website, theopenword.com. If you're looking for a home church and are in the Casa Grande area, why not join us for a time of worship and Bible study? Calvary Chapel Casa Grande has services each Sunday at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays and Saturdays. You can find location information and directions by going to theopenword.com and following the links to the church homepage. Now here's Pastor David with some information on how you can help support the ministry of The Open Word. Hey, I love being able to share the Word of God with you through this radio ministry. Radio programs like The Open Word are wonderful tools that God uses to advance His kingdom here on earth. But as with any ministry, there are expenses. I know God is blessing His children through The Open Word, and God has given us a vision to see this ministry expand and reach even further. Would you prayerfully consider financially supporting The Open Word? Log on to theopenword.com and simply click on the support option to help us continue to grow. Thanks, Pastor David. That's all the time we have for today. But join us again as we continue digging deeper into the book of 1 Corinthians, right here on The Open Word.